Anyway, hey, it's a week. It's a new week. I've, it I, is a new week. I, um... Time has progressed as it is wont to do. <laughs> I had to. Well, not that I had to. On on Sundays, Maria and I go out. Maria and my wife, my wife Maria. The meme never dies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who, who has now made her debut on Vector Man Live? Yes, that's right. We went we went on a on a on a on a walk to a national park this afternoon, which was about three hours long. And uh, utterly destroyed me energy level wise. So I've made the risky but ultimately potentially necessary move of having a coffee at 8 p.m. at night. Um, so now I'm, I, I have the, the sensation of being mentally dead, but physically alive <laughs> or alert. <laughs> Ooh, co- caffeine at this late in the evening. Yeah. You're, you're playing the dice there, you're rolling <laughs> the dice. That's how the demons get in. So, do you have any uh, follow-up? Yeah, sure. Uh, one, uh, foolish error on my part. Last week I said, uh, in regards to your Sony universalizing the X and circle buttons as X as accept and circle as reject, contrary mm-hmm. to Javanese culture, mm-hmm. uh, I said that that's kind of confusing because surely the the X is never where the A is. I mean, in Nintendo consoles, the A is where the O is, and and uh, also the same on Xbox consoles. I was completely wrong. Even in Japan, Xbox controllers put the A where the X is. I was I was a fool, a damn fool. Hmm. See, I, I was about to say not about your mistake, but uh, more like our reactions to our mistakes. I normally assign follow-up for two kinds of errors, and that is grievous errors that I apologize profusely for, and errors that are so banal that I make a show of grievously self-flagellating myself as a mm-hmm, joke. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, I feel like we need to be careful that we don't fall somewhere in the middle where it just we just look like weirdos. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like the the worst kind of pedants. I think this is this might be in a slightly third category, a technicality. That is both banal, but specific enough to alienate what could be your core demographic, which is console gamers and their and the controllers they know. I just don't want to be embarrassed between the new uh, Xbox fans I'm getting for having Game Pass after all these years, you know? I know, we lo- if we lose a single listener, that's basically 10% of our audience. <laughs> uh, what, any any uh, follow-up you've got, Lawrence? I do have some follow-up. Uh, in weeks leading up to this, in particular as regards to the Baldur's Gate 3 segment I mentioned mm-hmm. last week, I have expressed the opinion that people who choose the default Dan, just basic white dude, Nathan Drake, vault dweller character and character selection screens or just pick the default white person race like the imperials or if you are black the black character i suppose Hmm. you are a absence of humanity Mm -hmm. you are a lack of imagination you're a hollow husk of a human being i would like to add a caveat to this because i discovered in the interim that baldur's gate 3 in addition to allowing you to create your character has a separate character creator for your character's love interest Oh, which is the first, which is the first time I've ever seen something of that ilk, and I have to say it's a trend that I would like to see played with at some point in the future. Okay. My caveat, my caveat is, if you choose the default character, but 
the love interest that you create is the most weird, fucked up monster mash of a creature ever created, then I will rescind my previous <laughs> scathing criticism of you as a person. And uh, basically what I'm trying to say is, so long as one of them is a horrible, horrible creature, then I'm happy. <laughs> if you are or are currently fucking a terrible monster creature right now, tune in to Vector Man. <laughs> You're accepted. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I I don't know many games that do the partner creation tools. That seems very creepy to me. It does seem like the sort of thing that could very easily go to some very unsettling territory. I will give you that. Yeah, yeah. And it, it feels like I would like to see the Baldur's Gates team kind of do the whole average of what the players create again on this side. See what I that thought shows so up. too, but I, I suspect... That I'm not going to like what the answer is, so I think perhaps they shouldn't do that. I think we've <laughs> I, seen enough. I've only so much faith in humanity left. Mm-hmm. All right, interesting. Um, other, well, uh, other, uh, this is the coffee thing. My, like, my, my tongue is going faster than my head can keep up. In other follow-up, there we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> just a small check-in on all that CDPR crunch you mentioned last week. Oh boy, I've I've I I, I put it in the news on my docket here. Do not bring up CD Projekt <laughs> Crunch because it has become such a mire of conflicting viewpoints and testimonies that I've just decided to stay well clear of it. That seems fair to to a certain degree, I guess. And yes, even at last week, although it wasn't in the show itself, I did say to you. Hey, you know, we don't have to bring up every single depressing story of the week every week. You know that, right? Uh, So Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm kind of contradicting myself a little by bringing this up because it's especially depressing but i felt like i I, i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to see the positive in talking about these things and and i guess the most frustrating thing about all this which for context for the listener uh this week there's been a whole mess of news about uh prior employees and 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 other leaks about the so-called acceptable crunch being not so acceptable (laughs) it seems that every other day someone else crops up to go oh but we all agreed to it so it was fine and someone else would agree up to it saying we never had a choice yada 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 and someone else would crop up and saying everyone has a choice yada 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 and that's why i at this point that i'm like I'm just going to wait for the dust to settle and conduct a post-mortem on this in a few months' time, sure. rather than get embroiled in the get lost in the weeds here. Yeah, yeah, and that makes sense. And I'm not going to over-specify exactly which uh, accounts need more attention than others. I guess uh, you know there is one that was verified by Jason Schreier. Uh, Schreier. Schreier. So that's um, that kind of gives that one a little more weight, and that one had. 48R maximum paid overtime that was being broken and terrible messing around with your fucking lifestyle in work if you refuse to do the overtime on behalf mm-hmm. of the sort of middle management. And then just people, you know, like a confirmation that, you know, if it's so bad, why don't you leave? A confirmation from the other side saying they do leave. They leave quite regularly, actually. <laughs> uh, so that, that added the salt required uh, to kind of to, to verify a lot of the worst we've heard in my head, but also at the same time, there are contradictory notions and it's not, it's not really that important to get tangled on the he said, she said side of things. I just kind of wanted to bring up that what was annoying to me about all this was just the sheer amount of people who were kind of like, don't, don't ruin this so close for me. I, I, this game's important to me. Don't ruin it by talking about this shit. That's like the wrong attitude. I, and that's not to judge 
uh, people who who want to play Cyberpunk 1066. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. excited. I'm excited. I'm getting it. I believe for Christmas, you know. So I'm not gonna. I'm gonna not gonna be here lecturing you that you know it's it's wrong to buy the game because capitalism has made these employees lives terrible i i'm not in that position to do so lee brady enabler of poor employees (laughs) treatment yep enabler of crunch you want to you want to interpret all of my purchases by all means that's exactly what i'm (laughs) i'm going to put a virtue signaling (laughs) uh Mm -hmm. stamp on this saying it's okay to be a good person on the face of things while also doing terrible things and making contradictory actions. But I mean, like, it's, it's like, I don't think it's super important that every single individual makes a big stand about this. People are going to buy the fucking product fine. You know, they're excited for it. That's important for their health and their mental lives and whatever. Grant, that's, that's you. That still doesn't mean you should then side with the corporation and say, let's not, let's not rush into believing people who left their job under terrible circumstances that the job was terrible. You know, like, I think you can safely believe it after a good couple of people come forward. And, uh, more importantly, the defendant here is creepy corporate structures. We are, or are, are, are the accused, I guess. And, you know, the good thing about talking about this shit on any level, whether you think it it affects your purchase or not, is that it makes these cold bastards squirm. I mean, this this is the good year to talk about it because it, we've already seen like the, the Ubisoft thing. Even though it's not it's not always giving us the 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 perfect wins that we want, you know, like these the people who rode the the train up still get the golden handshake out. So you know that's pretty depressing. But at the least, a good amount of creepy, rapey people got kicked out of their fucking job this year. Do you mean golden parachute? I was I was thinking golden handshake because it's you know quieter. Hmm. Okay. You know, it's kind of seedier. <laughs> I guess I guess we're pushing the idea that shaking hands in the current day and age is an unacceptable <laughs> breach of Absolutely. social norms. <laughs> I'm glad to be part of this agenda. Yeah, of course you are. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I, I think that we've seen that these conversations do ultimately either get get shit done or they at least put people in positions where they accidentally make things worse for themselves or let slip the veil that, you know, they're out, they are sneakily doing shady crap. And then somebody gets fired or somebody gets restructured. And, and at the very least, small things happen that typically benefit the, the workers when all this stuff comes public and people just say, all right be accountable company or we'll stress out your stock buyers you know your stockholders that's all that really matters about the conversation is that people are panicking when they see these news topics come up and even though you're thinking uh what matter what does it matter anyway you know like you're just making me feel guilty about purchasing a video game step out of yourself for a fucking second and just just realize that this does have a slight effect not always the desired effect but the slight effect of making it easier for the people in the long run who are under these conditions that's why we'll probably keep talking about shit like this from time to time it's not because we just want to depress people and or make them feel guilty it's it's more that, you know, it does have an effect, that sort of full room of people at least asking the question, are they up to no good? <laughs> right, uh, see, I'm looking at the script here. Lee rambles for five minutes about serious topic. Lawrence says something funny. Oh, did I say that out loud? I shouldn't be reading this. <laughs> good job. 
it is time for the latest segment of the podcast where we plug the Twitch channel. <laughs> yes. I also dread this coming up every week, but <laughs> I'm also looking forward to it. If you would like to hear me sneeze directly into the microphone <laughs> because I'm wearing a headset and I was too sl- too late, too slow in going for the mic button, tune into Vectormen Live at twitch.tv. That's twitch.tv slash Vectormen Live. Nice, nice work. Good, good plug. Turn it around on yourself. That was good. Mm-hmm. I, I reckon if I'm going to be a regular participant in these, uh, the love should be shared around a little. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, this this week saw the inevitable audio debut of Lawrence on Vectorman Live. Long overdue. Not that he hasn't been on the show a couple of times already, but this, this one was a good one. We played Jackbox 7 and Jackbox 1, and it was quite fun. Uh, if a little bit chaotic and a little unprepared. Chaotic. <laughs> would be the chaotic and un- underprepared would be the charitable interpretation of what took place. <laughs> right, oh, well, right off the bat, two trolls. One who crashed the game immediately after after joining because of mm-hmm. just vile, horrible language. The second, a really, really fun uh, participant. A good sport, all in all. All in all. That's a guy called Coach K 79 who trolled me the whole way through. By pretending to be someone that you knew... And considering you have an extended family of all sorts of characters, it could have been literally anybody, which kept us speculating for, like, hours. The panic was extra bad this week, because the day before, I did, a, like, a family quiz. My my, my mom makes a quiz. Uh, mm-hmm. Hasn't done one for a long time, but a quiz that uh, one of the runs is knowing the names or relations of people in our own family. You know, sort mm-hmm. of to kind of keep us up. We have a pretty big family, so keeping keeping everyone abreast of the new additions and the and the younger members' names, so that when we bump awkwardly into each other at a party, we are well prepped ahead of time as to who they are and what their relation is to everybody else. And I did abysmally in this round this week. I, I got like one, maybe two right out of ten. So I was already on edge, thinking, "God, I gotta gotta step up my game." Really. Really stop paying attention to family members and their names and their and what's going on in their lives. And then all of a sudden, the next day on streams, when several family members, including my own wife, are in the stream or on the stream with me, uh, somebody comes out from the woodwork saying they are related explicitly to me and that I should know them because they're the sister of the brother that I know really, really well. And I am panicking for a two-hour long stream. (laughs) For those of you wondering how I deal with this problem, it's simple. Just cultivate a reputation for being a curmudgeonly recluse. (laughs) And no one will ever trouble you with this sort of thing ever again. It's great. It's a good tactic. Uh, but it was good. We played a couple of rounds that didn't make any sense on stream, although I think we got some really funny moments out of them anyway. There's one where we had to do presentations, which requires... In essence, somebody to be speaking while also adding text to slides in order to score approval points from the audience. Yeah, the idea is that you're basically bluffing your way through a a business PowerPoint presentation whilst another player sends you slides and prompts so you, you can make things up on the fly. And you're also supposed to be typing in captions to those slides as they're coming in whilst blathering away. 
and other players rate you based on how well you're able to improvise your way through this. It did not work well for a stream that had about a six second delay between <laughs> what we were seeing and the actual conversation me and Lee were having. Yeah, also that the game was assumedly meant to be played in a room full of people to play together. Uh, because there was no sort of microphone have somebody do the, the voice presentation thing. So I was tasked to do all of that, even though, yeah, it was mm-hmm. wildly out of sync. And so I was just reading the slides as they came out. But, you know, we had a great audience. They turned it around and, uh, <laughs> it, it ended up being one of the, the highlights of the whole thing, even in its, in its messiness. I love that, Lee. That's perfect. You can tell that you used to be in a band because when things go wrong and you're making people wit, it's always great to fall back on. You're a great audience. Most audiences would have went home by now, but not you. <laughs> Re- regarding the stream, I played some Dark Souls Cubbyhole I'll get to later, but I'll be doing more of that. And now we have Set in Stone Days for the stream. Uh, Tuesdays are going to be the weekly plug stream, which is, it follows up the brand new episode of Effective Men comes out the same day as this episode or any future episode comes out, which is a Tuesday. That's usually in the afternoon sometime. And also Thursday is our usual Fecterman Live late night stream. Uh, so Thursday nights, gonna gonna play some Dark Souls, maybe some Among Us, some other stuff. But yeah, all in all, fun action packed week for Fecterman Live, and hopefully you'll join us again. That's twitch.tv slash Fecterman Live. Not just you, Lawrence, the uh, people listening. <laughs> you you should join I, us again. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want to go into week? Yes, and I shall begin with mine. Has his tradition. Has his tradition. Played a bit more Armello. Uh, that that game is still fantastic. Although, when once you've played it enough times, and especially when you're aiming for unlockables and by extension achievements, mm. that's when the other half of the board game experience comes in. The salt. Right. Okay. You know, if you play a ge- if you play a board game which is reliant on dice rolls and oh, yeah. AI players for enough times, some frustrations will set in because board games are best enjoyed with people that you can scream at. That- that's the sentiment <laughs> I'm trying to express here. Mm. If a uh, if an AI keeps going after you for reasons that are not immediately obvious to you, but I'm sure makes sense to the AI, like um, they want to get at a hex that you're on or a hex that's adjacent to where you're on and you're in the way. In a board game, they would say, hey, I want to get there, get out of my way. And you'd be like, no problem, sir. That's fine by me. Let's just stay out of each other's way unless we've got beef. But uh, the AI does not do this. Mm. It will ram itself against you over and over. I said last week that there's nothing quite like an AI throwing itself at you when you're vastly outweighing it in stats. Well, uh, the inverse also is true. Just... (laughs) Just being picked on by everybody, yeah. it's the worst feeling in the world. Uh, the, the Montezuma effect, I believe it's its known as. Uh, and you can't, you can't even scream at them, because they're not real. <laughs> you can scream at Montezuma, but he screams back. Yeah, and he's better at it. He's got some experience, he does it as a day job. Yeah, I've, I've experienced this. I, in my, my crystal lizard hunting days, I tried to get a platinum trophy in Monopoly on PlayStation 3. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Which... That just sounds... Like and that—that's a circle of hell. Yeah. That's what—that's where they send real life capitalists when they die. <laughs> the circle of hell where they have to get, play Monopoly over and over. It was, uh, yeah, it was admittedly brutal. I don't think I ever got the platinum because of 
online multiplayer trophies as per usual. People had moved on by the time I, I was really taking this seriously to the PlayStation 4 Monopoly, and those trophies didn't carry over the bastards. The online competitive scene for Monopoly had dried up by that. <laughs> yeah, point, absolutely. Used to be used to be rife with competitors. I know. I I used to main chew. <laughs> But, you know, ever since the Nerf shoe just hasn't been the same. <laughs> now everybody's playing Top Hat. Speaking of monopolies and whatnot, I recently finished a university deadline, so some time was freed up to hit a bigger game, wow, that was, you know, that rather was than quick. the one-offs. Well, there'll be more to come, mm. but uh, I, this is just a window that I'm taking advantage of. Mm. So I decided to crack open Assassin's Creed Unity. Ooh, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Now, I, uh... Already I can picture the scene, you know, listeners, you're pointing at your computer or mobile device or Marconi radio, and you're saying, Lawrence, hypocrite, traitor, after all those things that you've had to say about Ubisoft in the past, how can you do this? (laughs) But uh, fortunately, I bought this game pre-owned as I buy most of my games pre-owned, therefore not supporting the terrible, abusive publisher whilst enjoying the fruits of their labors. (laughs) And I do so completely guilt-free, I'll have you Oh, know. well, good. It's good. It's a good tactic. Now, uh, Lee, I've discussed with you in the past my strategy for this game, but I don't believe I ever verbalized it on the podcast. No. One of the things I like the most about Assassin's Creed is its ability to take you away to a time and place. Games tourism, if you like, <laughs> not to dredge up old wounds. The Ezio trilogy, well, the first two anyway, I like them because they were really Italian. Lots of Italians in that, speaking Italian, doing Italian things. Mm. And you're like, oh, that's nice. First one, the Crusades, very good. Uh, the third one, American Revolution, fantastic. Uh, Rogue, Seven Year War, a bit more esoteric perhaps, but hey, I'm into it. And of course, Black Flag with all of its piratey goodness. A joy. Now, part of maintaining that historical and cultural atmosphere is the research that goes into it, the details, and of course... The vocal performances put in by the characters. In Assassin's Creed 2, everyone spoke with an Italian accent, were applicable. In Assassin's Creed 3, it was a melting pot of cultures, as was Assassin's Creed 4, mm-hmm. and Rogue, I suppose. I was very disheartened to hear, when Assassin's Creed Unity came out, that they had chosen to make all of the characters to have posh British accents. <laughs> of course. Like a 1940s film. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this fil- for this game that is set in the French Revolution <laughs> and takes place primarily in Versailles and Paris. And this was very disheartening to me, but I-, I hatched a plan. I thought what I would do was I'd put the language options to French and then put English subtitles in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt very, very pleased with myself. And now that t- the time has come for me to put this plan into action, I have to say it's working out quite well. Oh, that's a really Better than I thought. I thought this was building up to be a surprise. Oh, what a terrible mistake. Well, which that would be uh, very disheartening news because it seems Bait and switch have pulled the rug. Yeah, yeah. I'm quite surprised by how well. I, I, much like yourself, was anticipating something to be very wrong with this plan, but it wouldn't become apparent until it was too late. Mm. But I have to say, things are going swimmingly. And I have to tell you, Lee, the difference is night and day. Yeah. Out of curiosity, uh, for just one mission, I swapped it back to English. <laughs> You know, for the contrast, right? <laughs> yeah. And, oh boy, no, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. <laughs> I'm very unhappy with it. What's what's this? You don't just like 
Ezio's voice. He's so suave I, and cool. <laughs> I didn't know this, but apparently they only use English for all the important characters who have, like, speaking roles. All of the background characters, you know, when you're walking through the streets of Paris and you hear all the, the citizens speaking, they're all speaking French. Yeah. But all the, all the important people speak the Queen's English. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. That guy's name is Arno, <laughs> not Ezio. Arno. Yes, that's right. <laughs> My bad. This creates a really strange dichotomy where it's like, oh, I'm not sure how to feel about this. All the important people speak the Queen's English, whilst the common rabble, the hoi polloi, the great unwashed, they speak, you know, their strange foreign devil language. Mm. Does it feel? Does it? Does it feel like a a peculiar British-made war film? <laughs> <laughs> it does. It feels like the sort of movie UKIP would have made. You know, it's got a UKIP energy to it, and I don't like no, that. That's not good. That's a bad vibe. But uh, sw- swap it over the French, and you know that I'm happy with that. That's the only problem is, whilst all the important dialogue and monologue is subtitled, background characters talking out loud, providing flavor text, is not subtitled, mm-hmm. which I'm not happy with. That's a shame. Yeah. It's resulted in a me having to, whenever I return to home base and they're putting on a play in the background, I have to swap the English and then hear that in English and then swap back to French and it reloads the game every time and yeah, yeah. It's not perfect, but hey, I knew that there was going to be drawbacks to this approach, and for the most part, I'm actually very happy with it. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So, uh, have you got very far in the game so far? Or? I'm about halfway through the story. What? That was quick. <laughs> yeah, I, I work fast. I, I can't even... I don't even think I got halfway through the story in my playthrough. I know, you got bored and quit, but as you know... That is not an option for me. There's a there's a, a, a like a rat king dude character. I think I beat the mission after that. Le Rat de Thune, the king of beggars. That's the one. That's the guy. So I don't know how far that is, but I'm going to venture that it was maybe a quarter of the way in. Uh, yes, I would say that's about a third, maybe. Mm-hmm. I like how French it is. Mm. It ticks. It ticks the the game tourism box that you wanted ticked. It did. It exactly did. I mean, that's why I made it French. I made it as French yeah. as possible so that I could. It makes me wish that I knew French. It doesn't make me wish to, to learn French. God no, fuck <laughs> Christ, no way. It just makes me wish that I knew French, so that I would appreciate it all the more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I bought this game way after, like, it's been years since this game came out, so a lot of the criticism that it got when it first came out about being a buggy mess that was released too early, I don't have to worry about that. Just another privilege of being a, a patient gamer, as they say. <laughs> That's what the subreddit is, anyway. All right. I don't have to worry about all the game-breaking bugs, and all the, you know, the citizens walking around with no faces. Things like that, just eyeballs and teeth. So you're missing out on all the best elements, is what I'm hearing. Well, I, I, I'm, I, I, I got into this game for different reasons. I'm not a, I'm not an influencer, <laughs> technically yet. I don't think so. I don't have to get all the funny thumbnails and the funny haha footage so I can make fun of this game and then move on to the next flavor of the week. I'm here for the experience. I'm in here for the long haul. One omission in this game that is glaring that I'm very unhappy. Is that, uh, are you familiar with the, the Twitter account, Can You Pet the Dog? Oh, yes, of course. Well, in Assassin's Creed 3 onwards, uh, in 4 and in Rogue, there were various animals littered around the areas, be it a dog, a cat, maybe some chickens, and uh, you could walk up to them and interact with them, pet the dog, with the cat, and then throw some seed down that you inexplicably have for the chickens. <laughs> in Assassin's Creed Unity... There are cats, dogs, there are deer, there are chickens, there are all sorts of animals in Paris. Alas, 
You cannot do anything to them. You cannot interact with them in any way. This is terrible. I am very unhappy with this. I'm lodging a complaint with Ubisoft. I'm sure their hands are busy right now, but I'm sure they'll make time for me. Like, there's nothing worse than walking up to a dog and being unable to give it a pet. It's terrible. It's blue balls is what it is, basically. (laughs) It's like I have these feelings that I want to be able to do something with, but I can't. I physically can't. It's terrible. Such is the French Revolution. Most displeasing. (laughs) Now, I I do have some thoughts and feelings about the plot as well as the setting and how it's being handled so far. Again, uh, I do also like to use Assassin's Creed games as a a means of... What's the phrase? (laughs) Edutainment? Edutainment, yes, but there's 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 a more academic phrase that the ki- that lots of scholars like to use is it divergent learning oh, something like that I haven't heard where that basically one i use it i use it as the the jumping board for me to get into learning about the period and in that regard i've been very happy because it's like oh yes i can relate this to this and this to this and it's all sticking isn't this wonderful however i feel like the game itself has been very lax in actually teaching you about the events that are taking place like, you know, background characters will, will drop names and faction names mm. and concepts. And uh, those are all real things, but they don't tell you what they are. They just kind of assume that you either know or that you're going to look it up later, which I am, but most people won't. I guess in the earlier Assassin's Creed games, you get a little bit of preamble about who a figure is before you meet them. But in this, mm-hmm. Unity was the first game in the series I experienced where they had really uh, condensed the plot to like bare soap opery plot elements and try to cut back on that historical thing and i think unfortunately i did find that that carried through a little bit to uh the next one i played which was uh odyssey uh where mm-hmm. they do introduce hey it's it's herodotus and you know like he's a guy he has a boat and you're like all right cool uh, and they don't explain like what he means really to people. I suppose maybe there are some dialogue options later on though that you can kind of ascertain uh, in that game. So they maybe they maybe find a clever way to work it back in when you get to know them in the RPG elements. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. Unity just has to go with the cutscene approach, which is a little lacking as far as I recall. It does mean I get to play Where's Waldo basically with historical figures, <laughs> which I like because you know in every other game it's someone that you've heard of. Or someone that you're not expected to have heard of. But uh, with this game, it's a unique situation where they expect you to know who this is, but most people don't. So I get to feel very pleased with myself for getting it. I'll, like they, they, do, they do the whole coy, ooh, who could this be? Do you know who this is? And I'll be like, I know who that is. <laughs> like with, with Napoleon, it's obvious because you look at him and go, oh, it's Napoleon. Yeah. Mm. Like it's a young Napoleon, but you're like, that's fucking Napoleon. Let's be real. Who else would it be? And they, boy, do they bigging him up, and I love it. They make him cool, which is funny. Oh, yeah? Like, at one point, uh, when you first meet him, he's like, oh, you might want to stand back, and you do it, and, like, uh, a cannon blows a hole in a wall, but he doesn't even flinch, and he's like, it was nice to meet you, and then he just disappears around the corner, and you're like, oh, Napoleon the party that, boy. not Napoleon, <laughs> Bonaparte the party boy, oh, yeah. So cool, but you'll get another one, like, uh, you're in the Bastille, and there's a naked man in his cell wearing a powdered wig just screaming out the window, and they shout, Oh, shut up, degenerate. I'm like, that's the Marquis du Sade. I know who that is. And later on, sure enough, he shows up again, and he goes, It's me, the Marquis du Sade. And I'm like, Yay! I, I aced the test. <laughs> I get an A. I get a nice dopamine hit, and I'm like, Yeah, that's the stuff. Ooh. Speaking of dopamine hits, there's a lot to do in this game, mm. but that's always the case, isn't there? Now, I generally don't mind this, the whole running around opening chests, 
collecting cockades or cockades, however it's pronounced, you know, the little circular ribbons that revolutionaries oh, wear. Yeah, sure. I don't mind this because I find it to be a fairly relaxing, cathartic experience. Like, I don't, I'm not in a hurry. So, you know, cleaning up the map is relaxing, I suppose. Yeah. It's that, that Splatoon effect as well, where you're focusing on your corner. And with mm-hmm, all the benefits exactly. of not having anybody else come in and mess it up for you. And uh, I haven't been having too much trouble with the, R- well, RPG mechanics might not be the right phrase. The Those are for the later games. Trees, but I this guess. is where it started, yeah. I think. The sort of live service RPG-ish stuff. It started the, the, with this the game Ubisoft a little bit. The of game design. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, It's only prevalent in that if you complete missions, you get... Arno points. You know, a couple of <laughs> Arno, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's Arno points that you can put in the getting talents that you would have gotten from the get go yeah. from in previous games. And one of them is lock picking. And uh, some of these upgrades are locked so that you don't get the highest lock picking skill until like sequence nine, which is like three quarters of the oh. way in. Which means that there are chests that I cannot unlock until I get to that point, which I am most unhappy maddening. with. Maddening, absolutely maddening. There's something very anti-game design in this whole thing yes it's, it's not just like bad it's it's anti almost you know it's a decision that actively hinders something they put in so that the game could cater to as many people as possible and then they just sort of tiered it off in a way that didn't doesn't actively help it with engagement but just sort of prolongs it that i mm-hmm. i cannot abide it's, it's meaningless meaningless busy work Meaningless game. I'm generally inclined to believe but th- that this is due to incompetence as opposed to malice. Like, they're not trying to guide me towards engaging with their yeah, dumb life service case, mechanics by doing so. I, I do think it is probably, you know, they wanted you to to feel like the game was a little bulkier and had a lot to offer post-game. So they hid everything away until you beat it, even if you find it. I, I get it. I mean, it makes some sense. It's just also really poorly executed. <laughs> so the, the 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 wound is relieved a little bit by the fact that I think this might be the best reproduction of the time period that they've done so mm. far because maybe it's just because they're French and some of that nationalism they couldn't quite hide it completely yeah. but this might be the most loving and detailed depiction of a setting in the game so far because boy it is lavish. Like, Paris is fucking huge. It's huge. Huge, teeming with people, teeming with fucking activity, with smoke mm-hmm. and fuel and scum and so, so much, So much shit going yeah. on. And, like, there's poor parts of the city and rich parts of the city. And boy, do the rich parts of the city look rich. Yeah, yeah. Because like they did all the architecture, I'm sure it being local meant that the the research trips were probably a bit easier, <laughs> a bit cheaper. So which probably helps. Everyone's, it's just it looks fantastic. It sounds right. A real, I I'm not sure how if if it ever gets topped during the game, but I, an immediate highlight was the mission on Notre Dame, which is that's very early it, on. Yeah, yeah, it's very early on. But I mean, it's it it helps a player jump into what is clearly the game's best aspect, which is. Jesus, they put a lot of work into these buildings. These are beautiful uh, buildings. Boy. You just get to climb them and look at them from different angles. It's, it's fucking beautiful. That's right. Uh, and th- this is a city that's so teeming with history that they had to cheat to get some of it in. <laughs> like, uh, you, you, did you get to the... Uh, 
Oh, the Animus is glitching. You need to escape in the separate server where you go to Paris at different times. Ooh, no, I, I, I think I did jump in one wormhole, but I'm not sure that I noticed the effects so much. Yeah, it the first time it happens, it takes you to the, the Belle Epoque, or the Belle Epoque, I don't know how it's pronounced, where it's like, you know, the Jules Verne sort of golden age, the Phineas Fogg around the world in the 80 mm. days of all the balloons and the Eiffel Tower and the bunting and the fireworks, and you're like, ooh, this is nice, ah. Which is a bit of foreshadowing for Syndicate as well, because you go into a series and there's lots of steam, and you're like, ooh, cool. I see. Because, you know, they had to get the Eiffel Tower in there somewhere, because they're not coming back to Paris. <laughs> and then uh, I, I just did, late, earlier today, there was a second one, which is set during Vichy Paris, Vichy France, where, like, you know, there's zeppelins in the sky and, like, fighter pilots going around, and there's, like, ghosts of, like, Viamact soldiers wandering around you're like ooh, this is cool like in any other game this would be the most played out boring thing in the world but the fact that it's world war ii and an assassin's creed game makes you go oh so fresh so daring <laughs> so modern like you, know, you climb the eiffel tower and like you use a machine gun to shoot down a plane Whoa. and you're like dang we're never gonna see this again <laughs> Fuck. they're not gonna do world war ii and the belle epoque didn't have any interesting conflicts going on so they're probably not going to be returning to paris ever again except as maybe like a side gig so they're, they're just squeezing as much in as they can mm. like there's very clearly a lot of cool stuff in this which just goes to show that playing games two years max two years minimum after they come out is just the superior way to go it's just the best experience seems like it seems clear they fixed the parkour like, do you remember in Assassin's Creed games when you want to go, like, imagine you're on top of a building, right? And you're looking down and you want to go down <laughs> immediately to the area directly below you quickly. So you push forward and you hit the parkour button and Ezio or whoever it is just leaps right off the top of the building and then eats shit on the ground and dies because there is no button for just go down gently. You have to do it really slowly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this game fixed that, and I couldn't be happier. Mm. You hold down the parkour button and press forward to climb and run and jump and whatnot. And then you hold X to go up. That is to say you climb up and you hold circle to parkour down, which just means you have a controlled descent that goes down the building that you're currently on. And they fixed it. Oh, my God. I'm so happy. It's about goddamn time. (laughs) Jesus Christ. It only took them once. That, that, what, what the hell even is Unity? It's not even the fifth, is it? It's like the sixth or seventh. Oh, let's see. There's one, there's two, there's Brotherhood, there's Revelations, there's three, there's Black Flag, there's Rogue, and then there's this. And that's not including the spin-offs. So that's eight. This eighth is the eighth one. Assassin's Creed, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that yeah, that doesn't count uh, whatever you call the, the Vita one either. Res- no, the sh- in, the sh- India sh- one and the... Oh, no, I mean, one. like, Assassin's Creed 3 Retribution, I want to say? Oh, Liberty? Liberty. Liberation, that's the one. Liberation, the one set in the, the deep south. With Aveline. It's the one, one of the ones I've played, in fact. Yes. Well, I have to say, you know, running around in a setting where you're going through treasure chests in people's houses, stealing money, <laughs> essentially, from a setting where... People cut off the head of the finance minister and then cut off the head of his son-in-law and then made the the severed heads kiss because they hated him so much. I'm just saying it hits different. (laughs) Stealing treasure from people who cannot afford to eat is not very cash money of you, Arno, I have to say. (laughs) What are you feeling on Arno? uh, Where is he on your your, uh, protagonist of Assassin's Creed radar? 
were on the rankings. I heard this criticism of him before I played the game, and I agree. Maybe it tainted my opinion of him, but to be honest, I like to think I'm fairly impartial, and I agree wholeheartedly, which is, this is just Ezio 2.0. It's just like, hey, you know what worked? Ezio. Ezio was good. Weird, since they, only since then, Connor was the only one that didn't work, right? I mean, like, every other I, protagonist people everybody did, seemed to like. <laughs> people had didn't like Connor, but I did like Connor. I felt like that was a character who had a lot of nuance. Yeah. Oh, here comes Lawrence of his elitist opinion. Nuance doesn't go out well in the AAA market, <laughs> shall we say. It's because, because uh, you know, Connor's polite, yeah. but uh, understated. He's he's understated, but there's a lot there they unpack if you want to look. Yeah. But most people didn't bother looking, and three had problems that made people view it very uncharitably, mm-hmm. which means that uh, they probably didn't want to look that close. I will, I don't know, maybe as I. Once I've completed this game, I will have my my Assassin's Creed retrospective conversation. Sounds good. But for the time being, I feel like I've been blattering on about it for a little (laughs) bit too long, so watch this space. Alright, I've got um, three things to bring up this week. Two cubbyholes and a new game. Mm -hmm. So let's start off with the lightest of the two cubbyholes, as alluded to earlier. It's the return of Mm -hmm. Dark Souls Cubbyhole. Hooray! We're back, baby! Yeah, so unfortunately I left Dark Souls in the the dark. uh, uh, Forget that. Uh, For um, two weeks or so. I don't know why. There wasn't a reason. I wasn't burnt out or anything. I was just distracted, I guess. Uh, But uh, Mm -hmm. this week, finally got my shit together, started playing again. Uh, for those who don't remember, I le- where I left off, I had just gotten to Anor Londo and, uh, and uh, was immediately harpooned by off-screen assailants. Uh, who we Pinned to the wall with a giant arrow. Yes, who we then had a discussion about their unassailability, and uh, which was fucking hilarious. The moment I came back to this and realized just how precise these bastards could really get progress is. Uh, I got past those guys, the harpooners. They are silver knights, I believe. Is what they're actually called. They are. And there's more than just them. Like, they, once you get into the cathedral behind them, and there's there's quite a few of them hanging around. Although they tend to to, to, to not have such a vantage point over you anymore. No, I, I don't think the game... I think that's the most bullshit that that game's ever going to get. So you don't have to worry about that from this point onwards. <laughs> yeah, so now that I've gotten past those guys, I've found a new bonfire. Uh, in a nice little drawing room. It's lovely. It's nice in here, I have to say. Did you notice that Solaire is there? <laughs> of course I did. Solaire beat you to it? <laughs> like, you, you go through hell, and you go there, and just Solaire's just there, and he's like, oh, hey, you too, huh? <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> Fun times, huh? <laughs> and you're like, how? <laughs> he did, like, a Jeremy Irons in Aragon. Mm-hmm. I said mm-hmm, but I don't, I don't get that reference. That's not in my reference pool. I'll explain the reference because nobody will get it. Um, in, the, in the movie Aragon, which nobody will remember, but it's a kid's dragon movie based on a, on a series of books. Jeremy Irons plays the main character's mentor. And in, a, in mm-hmm. what is one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen in one of these teen uh, fantasy stories, Jeremy Irons sort of pats the kid on the back when his, with his newly grown dragon and says, Okay, I'll see you in... Fantasy city across the across the the mountains. Uh, you you take mm-hmm. the dragon and I'll meet you. And so we're treated then to a montage of uh, <laughs> of the kid riding the dragon. They have this whole montage of the sort of just like a How to Train Your Dragon montage, the first flight montage. Uh, it's all charming. Mm-hmm. It's nice. The uh, ever 
never-ending story kind of thing. Naturally. And uh, as they land, and we're, we're given in the montage to see them travel night and day over a long period of time, to over a long distance, and the moment they land... They are greeted by Jeremy Irons, who has no magic powers and no way to beat them there. The film just gave up and he goes, it's good to see you. <laughs> it's just it's a it. massive I, loophole. It's fucking hilarious. I love when no explanation is given for these things. <laughs> when when they when they pull out an Emperor's New Groove, you know, sort of, how'd you beat us here? Well, I mean, uh, uh, by all accounts, it makes no sense. I honestly don't know. <laughs> Yeah, they try to chart it out. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly that. Uh, but that's that's essentially what Solaire has done this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what a, what a building. Uh, two big memes in one place. They got Solaire and they've got Sigmar as well. Uh, upstairs, hanging out in the in the in a locked room. Oh yes, that's right. Uh, but uh, I, it, it was good. It was good seeing Solaire again. I love my favorite part is that he straight up accuses you of being a big gay Solaire fanboy. <laughs> And he's yeah, right. he knows. <laughs> he talked to you twice the first time. He's like, oh, didn't expect to see you here. It's good. We're having a good time, aren't we? And the, se- the second time you talked to him, he's like, oh, you like chatting to me, don't you? You're gay for Solaire, aren't you? <laughs> I don't mind. I'm flattered. And then he does his awkward, charming laugh. And the truth is all out there and it's awkward. And you just want to move on, mm-hmm. but you have to talk to him again in case he says something else. And he just says the same thing again. And it just drives the whole point down further. <laughs> But yeah, it's nice. Nice nice uh, cathedral. They've got dragons more uh, mounted on the walls. That's pretty cool. Nice aesthetic. Foreshadowing. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. And yeah, there's a couple of these silver silver knight guys hanging around and uh, and some mimics. Uh, Rover TV, who was on the stream, explained to me explicitly how these uh, how these mimics can be told apart. I was sitting there trying to work it out, and I got it down to the chain. Uh, but uh, he said that and something to do with... Uh, Oh, they shake. They shake or something. They don't shake. They breathe. Ew. Yeah, creepy. You, you can look at the... Uh, I mean, obviously, the chain is the obvious one because you look at the chain, you go, okay, it's a mimic. But uh, if you look really closely, you can see them, like, uh, the chest open very slightly and you can see the teeth briefly and then it closes again. But the animation's very slow, so, you know, ain't nobody got time for that shit. No, of course. But what I thought you could do turned out to be right, because I just whack every chest on the head, and if it's a mimic, it reveals itself. That's true. You can do that. I, I thought you said in the time I brought this up that that wasn't the thing you could do. Uh, in Dark Souls 2, I think, if you attack a chest one too many times, the chest will break, and the thing inside it will be reduced oh, to rubbish. Nice, nice punishment on that. But uh, in Dark Souls 1, you can whack away. Now, I, I don't think that's what you said to me. It was something else. Maybe. I think Maybe it, I, I phrased yeah, it well, slightly differently. Whatever. But yeah, no, fair enough. They've, 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 they've caught on to my trick by Dark Souls 2. And, but yeah, it's, it's been interesting. That's, that's basically as far as I've got. I climbed up the staircases. I met Sigmar. He's, uh, he's fretting. He's got his own thing going on. He's not too pleased about what the hell's going on. There was, uh, there's a bunch of Silver Knights. I just got to a new staircase that's going to wind down to an, an interesting area. And then that's where I got killed off screen by something and uh, now I have to figure that out. Uh, so not so right. much progress, but at least I mean it took a while to get past the the harpoon boys. Yeah, that is progress. So yeah, that that took a while. That took some doing. Uh, it's been an interesting week. Interesting doing it streaming. Uh, I think one of the things that uh, I'm kind of a little more iffy about on the streaming side of things is the way I play Dark Souls is once I'm I'm firmly within the the loop of dying and trying. 
Mm-hmm. That's when I I find that the perfect place for zone out material, in which case I put on a podcast or some music or something, and you know catch up on media that I can play in the background while repeating the same loops until I make it to somewhere new, and then I you know cut everything out and take it all in until I get acquainted with that area and so on and so forth. Uh, and it wasn't something I could really do while on the podcast. I mean, I guess I could just turn off the, I could just play the game and have no commentary. And then and just have that be the case. Uh, but in terms of giving it a full streaming experience of me fretting on camera, I have to say, you know, it was it wasn't it wasn't the perfect scenario to be just sort of mindlessly talking to myself when you know you're kind of you're just doing the same thing over over and over again. Uh, not that I minded yammering on, obviously, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, it does feel like one of the things I've come to enjoy in my Dark Souls routine is being able to get into a routine and then slowly make progress while listening to something fun that takes my mind off the sort of emptiness of it all. And uh, mm-hmm. I know that, you know, you could make an argument that that's like bad game design or whatever, but that honestly makes me look forward to playing Dark Souls every time. So, like, I'm not going to I'm not going to go there and say, yeah, that's why somebody should do that shit. I don't mind games there. Or, you know, sparse or chill or have a have a, a loop uh, that you occasionally just tune out of. So I guess uh, I'm, I'm still trying to find a balance between streaming it and playing it. Anything to vanquish the lull. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> so long as you're turning off the podcast the moment the boss battle happens. Oh, of course. That music, though, of course. That's what I mean. Any time you get into it. Even if I make slight progress in an area to somewhere I haven't been, I'll... I'll I'll put the audio back up a while just to make sure it's not something. Um, there's not some creepy sound I should be paying attention to or something. No, you always you got to give the game its fair shake when you're acquainted with new stuff. But very often in Dark Souls, you could be in the same area over and over and over again and make very little progress. Uh, so it's nice to have something to help you know make your your mind settle with the fact that you're not making all the progress in the world. You are acquiescing to the pace of the design but uh yeah i mean it's been great it's been great to get back hopefully have more dark souls cubbyhole on the show soon elsewhere in my week we are we've got the other cubbyhole <laughs> richard cubbyhole i think this is the third one. Oh yes 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 it is uh so i'm still playing witcher one for those who haven't uh, heard that in other episodes and uh so good news i beat chapter two of the five chapters that I mentioned the first time I played it. Oh, okay. This one took a lot longer. <laughs> Still good. The bad news, I guess, is that I took all the wrong turns and had to backtrack and ultimately walk through to figure out where I went wrong this time. The game is very open-ended and you can miss a couple of things. And I was I, I had hit a sort of dead wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to give some context on Chapter 2... Uh, which I think I did before, but I'll, I'll sort of pat it out. Chapter 2 comes in the form of uh, an investigation. There's evidence that someone in your immediate circle in the town of Fizima, which you are now in, is actually the head of the operations for Salamandra, who are the creepy <gasps> cult dudes who uh, stole all the Witcher stuff in the very first episode, and or in the prologue. Oh my god! I know, I know. Uh, so, your job is to go seemingly through every small side quest you get, because they might be relevant to the main quest, which involves sneaking around and finding bits of information to clear or incriminate the name of your surrounding allies, and to see who's the rat who's working for Salamandra that got you thrown in jail and got you se- got you set up all your friends and so on and so forth. And, mm. uh, and that means basically talking to everybody who you can in this town to find out if they heard anything creepy 
or underhanded about the the people you're you're asking questions about. Uh, so it's quite involving. Uh, it's actually and it's actually a really good way to uh, build familiarity with the world. I think. Uh, so I like that. Uh, and this also it all plays into what I said the last time we were talking about this about the whole new fast travel thing. This, did you do have to take your time about it? Mm-hmm. Gets you acquainted with all the places and faces. Yeah, exactly. And you know it's interesting because uh, it's open ended. You can accuse the wrong person. And you can also end up getting into a fight and killing one of your potential allies, whether they be good or bad, uh, all for the sake of a misunderstanding. So the stakes are surprisingly high because once a character's out of the story, they're out. Uh, I appreciate a game that lets you fuck up. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's, I mean, one one run, you know, hypothetically, you could, you know, rightly know that someone is the guy you're looking for, but miss a seemingly irrelevant side quest that blows his cover because on the face of it, it has nothing to do with what we're looking into, and then feel like the game won't fess up to his identity until you follow his instruction uh, to kill a dude, who we already know, despite his shady work in the in the crime industry, is innocent in this regard, which progresses the main quest up to a point until you need to get more information from one of the other suspects, who by this point you have already accused of being shady because he is but not in the way the game wants us to accuse him, and now he won't talk to us, locking the game into a back-and-forth cycle where nothing's getting done unless I do that little side quest at the graveyard and find the body of the guy that, up until recently, happened to be helping us until, for some reason, decided to heel turn into a murderous maniac, asking us to kill all our suspects, and so seemingly locking the story behind a proxy of bad choices and forcing you to reload into a point where you killed some semi-innocent dude. And then look it up, because nothing is immediately different. <laughs> As as a hypothetical, basic whodunit stuff. I killed I killed an innocent dude and locked semi locked the game down a bad path. And you know it's not the game's fault. I just doubted it. I doubted it every step of the way because uh, I was <laughs> basically I had retro jank paranoia. Huh. If you've ever played a game that's of a slightly older variety, especially RPGs, you can be wary of the system and the design of the game. Not um matching up to its ambition and i got to a point in the game where i was starting to question had they seen this through or am i being asked here to do something frustratingly against type and against my work that i've done so far oh yeah are you being railroaded yeah yeah exactly but and uh, games do railroad you usually in more obvious ways this was a kind of fringe case where it felt like I could be being railroaded, even though I had done a quest, which I then found, like, I have a specific thing in my journal that says, the guy that I'm being asked to kill is innocent, because I did a quest to prove that. So when this guy's asking us to kill that guy, you know, I'm like, okay, so maybe this guy's guilty. That would that would tie up to a couple of things he said up till now. But the journal isn't updating to tell you to do the thing that yeah. you want to do, so you're like, oh no. The journal isn't updating or anything, you know, it's just, all it's saying is, kill the guy. What's missing here is that there's a tiny side quest about going to a graveyard that unravels a lot of the clues and was a lot subtler than a lot of the other quest lines. Did you consult a guide? That's This is what happened. I got to a mm-hmm. point where I killed killed the dude, realized that I really shouldn't have done that. You know, like, it didn't it didn't change any of my feelings about what had happened. It just, you know, it didn't even progress the game properly. So there was still a missing element. And so I was like, all right, okay, okay, something's up. Backload, get a guide, 
from the point before I killed the dude for no reason, you know, even though I was doubting the game system the entire time, whether I had to or not. And then the guy was basically like, okay, you know that little mission that you've been hanging on to for a while? You should really finish it. You know, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it's a big deal. See, I, I, I do that as well. Whenever, uh, like, I did, I did this with Tyranny, mm. where uh, whenever you feel like you're you're rubbing up against, like, the edges of, like, the, the quest structure. Yeah. Or, like, the framework of the story, and you're never entirely certain if the freedom, the the things that you want to do, if there is, like, a, a place in the story hierarchy for that. So you're like, well, okay, one minute, let me just, real quick, whoop, whoop, okay, I'm back, I'm back from the with yeah. you. Alright, so here's how I best get to the place where I want to be using what's available to me within the game's framework, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not just like using a wiki, a wiki to, you know, have the, have the game solved for you. It's more you've hit up to a point in the design where you're starting to question what you're missing to get the result that you have all but figured out. And mm-hmm. and you're now at a point where you're doubting whether the design has met up to the, to the ambition of of its own stakes, and is now railroading you in in such a particular way that you have to ask: Are you doing something wrong, or is the design this particular? It was me doing something wrong. It was me not thinking that every quest was a necessary thing. I do have uh, like two cases in mind where The Witcher did kind of gives us a red herring in this regard because. A, the first chapter is full of side quests which have next to no bearing on the main quest at all. So to find that all the main the side quests are important this time around was a bit jarring. And mm-hmm. there's one particular thing where the game hasn't told you something about how it works. But not just that it hasn't told you something, that it has actively misled you with like a, a different system and then you're, you're kind of piecing it together later on. For example, the thing I'm thinking of in this game uh, is its leveling up system, which is really quite dated. Huh. All right. I can imagine. Eurojank. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and not only that, it's worse than that. It's retro Eurojank. <laughs> it's ambitious and unwieldy. Essentially, you level up like basically every other RPG. You have skills. You, you gain experience and then you have skills that you can unlock with that experience. But the experience, what happens is from levels zero to 15, what instead of getting explicit like skill points, you're given bronze talents and these talents unlock bronze skills. Okay. And then after level 15, you start earning silver talents and silver talents can unlock silver skills. Then gold at, I assume, level 30, uh, maybe later on than that. Uh, you can start unlocking gold skills. Can higher value skills be cashed in to form multiple lower level skills? Uh, no. Like, can you use one silver to get two bronze skills, for instance? No. Okay. Bronze for bronze, silver for silver, and gold for gold. That's pretty much it. All right. So here's the thing, right? So you, you start leveling up and you're like, okay, I'm getting bronze talents. I can unlock bronze skills. Fine. Uh, and then at the end of the first chapter, the game... <laughs> It doesn't well it doesn't tell you how to get this silver talents. The whole level 15 thing I just mentioned, mm-hmm. I this is something I figured out later on, but the only time you get a silver talent before turning level 15 is at the end of the first chapter. And you get it not by like any specific leveling trait, 
but by brewing a magic potion that is specifically made from the flesh of the first chapter's boss, i.e. a resource you're never finding again. So, uh -huh. nearing the end of chapter 2, and still not ch at level 15, I'm looking at my fucking skill tree, and I'm like, I haven't... Am I doing something wrong? I've been playing this game for like 20 hours now, and I, I still haven't unlocked like even the middling tier of skills, and the enemies are starting to get actively aggressive so it's time it's time to start figuring out how the hell this system works you know and i'm also running out of things to pour bronze talents into because they're giving me basically just enough to pick the whatever skills i really need as the game's going on so I, i'm running out of uh, out of options of, of necessary things to have bronze in mm -hmm. and now i'm getting paranoid and i had to look that up but that's the thing the game design is teaching you a thing and then just making it irrelevant later is what my point is and that starts to build a case for the retro jank that uh, that then you start looking at other things like the quests and you start asking uh, how much of this is necessary how much am i going to be railroaded how much did they perceive that i would be in this particular position uh doing these particular set of quests in this particular order for it to give me these demands and uh, does that make sense for my character and does that make sense like, will I find information by doing this, or should I ignore it and try to find something else? You know, like, it's very... I wouldn't say it's a little open-ended. I, I do think the game is pretty good at, at asking you to just take part in the world and reward you for it. It's just mm -hmm. in these slight cases, it also gives you contrary information where sometimes stuff just happens uh, as, as, a, as a treat for doing well at something or isn't necessary. And then you have to unlearn that information as the game goes on. So it's it's been it's been strange. It's uh, I, I became increasingly distrusting of the Witcher's ability to hold its lofty ambition together. But at the same time, you know, I eventually did finish chapter two. I did need a little bit of walkthroughs to kind of piece it together and figure out what the hell it was trying to do. But after that point, the story went across pretty well. And you know, it actually had a really good um, story beat at the end. Of, of chapter oh. two, which was quite, which is kind of funny because after all this cloak and dagger mystery agency quest chapter in Geralt's life, he, he comes face to face with bosses of the prologue of the story and they get into a scrap and it ultimately knocks him out and you wake up in chapter three. But uh, you find out during the time you were knocked out from that fight, it, you had been lured there this entire time. In, on a on a makeshift fantasy adventure, while they got on with the big boy politics in a town in just one town over, and essentially kickstarted World War Two, and they were luring you away because they knew you'd fuck shit up if you were involved, uh, and I just thought that was fucking hilarious because Geralt wakes up and says. Basically, that was the last time I was ever allowed to have a fun fantasy adventure that was completely devoid of politics. <laughs> so I was like, okay. <laughs> I, I I like Gerald. I like a, I like a nice grumpy working class hero. <laughs> That's what I appreciate. Yeah, he's he's good fun. There's a lot of a lot of quests that I've enjoyed the most have been the ones where he gets drunk. Having whoever his voice actor is act out Gerald being a, a drunkard. Some of the funniest voice lines I have ever heard. It's got that weird um, the dissociation that you get from seeing um, Kazuma Kiryu do wacky things in Yakuza. That same effect. You're like, ooh. Mm -hmm, that dissonance, I know the one. Yeah, yeah. That, that, I absolutely love these grim, serious characters <laughs> slipping out of their fucking uh, 
mo for a little and and just acting silly it just cheers me right up so witcher witcher has plenty of that mercifully so they another reason to recommend it uh, still enjoying it though just just a just a bit of a, a diverging path this time around hopefully a little more focused going into chapter three <laughs> got one more thing a new game is that right that's right this week i also started playing hades Ah, 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 man oh man oh man look lawrence listener you're skeptical a little i can sense that it's just a roguelike super giant make nice stuff but isn't it just a roguelike Version no, of Bastion. no, I am not thinking that, Lee. I'm fairly <laughs> certain anyone who is familiar with Supergiant <laughs> knows <laughs> that that is not the case. That's fine, Lawrence, that's fine. Look, I understand, I was with you on this. <laughs> with your version of, the, of you I invented. Mm-hmm. Uh, with your totem of me? Yeah, yeah. I was looking forward to it, uh, but before I played it, you know, I thought we were, we were talking about a solid workhorse, not a fucking goat. This game is fucking great. And not just, yeah. I mean, like, I've enjoyed Supergiant games quite a bit, but I've never had one that I felt, like, made me just happy to see a game perfectly designed. Mm-hmm. I felt that way about Pyre, although I know I'm in a minority mm. in that regard. I'm still, yeah, I, I skipped Pyre for now because I feel like I would rush it to play Hades. Mm-hmm. But nothing has made me think, Jesus, they've just, they've figured it out. They've solved something. They've cracked the code. They've done it for Hades. They closed the loop. They closed the roguelike loop. And by that I mean they, the whole dying restarting from scratch loop. Mm-hmm. They've, they've closed it. <laughs> and, what, uh, hasn't they provided a narrative justification for it? Not just that. Look, I mean, like, lots of people have made the loop addictive. They've got you interested in both sides of the loop to some degree. You know, you, you die, you have a lot of little things that carry over, and you're excited. Like, Rogue Legacy does a really good job of it. It approximates the loop. It bridges the loop. It makes inroads mm-hmm. to the potential of a knot. But Hades closes the loop. There is no mist section of this game downtime section of the game is just as good as the uptime section the action section why because your dad has smuggled you and you go fuck you dad and it motivates (laughs) you to go back out into the fray the core of it i'm gonna be honest it's uh it's it's social meters it's it's stardew valley persona social trees Oh, it's S-Links. Yeah, yeah. Gotta rank up your S-Link with Megara, or whoever it is. Yep, Megara's in there. You can get uh, Hypnos, a couple others, Nyx, Chaos, the, the old father. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and, of course, the Olympians, the, pre- the preachy prep boys of, 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 of Greek mythology. <laughs> yeah, fuck those guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh... Yeah, you you have the the potential with every resource you get playing the game to enhance and empower and even customize and tweak and charmingly overdo every single facet of the downtime area. And all these things, just like in Persona, 
And just like in Stardew Valley, when you get to know people and you get to you treat them well and you get to know their stories, not only are the story arcs getting better, they're getting fulfilled, they're giving you just enough information to start to really attach yourself to these characters, but then they also start giving you benefits in the other world and thus feeding a loop that keeps you going and going. And it's the perfect loop, Lawrence. It's the perfect loop. Uh, I, I fucking love Hades. I, I love the action. Uh, the the actual game itself it is not a, uh, the most challenging in terms of mechanics but mm-hmm. it is just challenging enough in terms of that bullet time sipping fast action reflex heavy gameplay uh, while also you know in the downtime you're you're chatting up all these funny well written interesting characters you're decorating the lounge you're petting the dog you can pet the dog I was about to ask can I understand that you can pet Cerberus is this true you can pet the dog. Excellent. There's only Very one happy. of his heads likes pets, though, which I, well, I, mean, I think is you know, even cuter. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine by me. You match all that with its beautiful aesthetic and its well thought out uh, story and world and its and its cute TV ready take on on Greek mythology and art style. Mm-hmm. And uh, fuck, man, it's it's like the perfect package. I mean, maybe because it just blurs together the, the, my favorite things from Transistor, Persona, and Stardew Valley. It feels a little bit like they're targeting me to some ex- extent, but I don't fucking care. Another thing that I really like about this is a thing I've liked in a lot of games recently is uh, crashing you down to its pace, where you have to you have to play by the games desired pace not that it it doesn't let you make as much progress as you can reasonably afford but there is a certain point where it will want you to not beat the game before at least seeing some of the arcs so you're expected mm-hmm. to do the loop a, li- a few times what it does to incentivize that is to keep the loop interesting and fresh every time you make it new events new dialogue lines and new interactions between other characters in the lounge before you jump in and also new rewards new little things to spend you know like it all ties in so neatly but also forces you to slow down like i i listened to um yahtzee's review and he seemed quite you know quite giving it fair praise while also criticizing the sort of the fact that you couldn't just blast through it a little bit and i felt Mm -hmm. that sense that the worst person to review this would be a a critic who hasn't all the time in the world to give it because it has such a particular pace those Uh, games journalists yeah yeah i mean like it's a fair enough take i i I just felt like this is one of those particular games that it felt to me like it it has a pace in mind under the guise of a rogue light it actually is a little more structured than it lets on it it plays into the whole repeating arc thing a little clearer that it knows that you you're not supposed to beat the game as soon as you imagine you might be allowed to Mm -hmm. and i i just thought that brought me to that sort of stage where i just like okay fine it's a game that can't be rushed and I've not been playing it for, I think we're going on to week two now. I haven't beaten it yet. You haven't hit credits? Haven't got out of uh, of the underworld, uh, if that's even a thing that happens. But uh, it doesn't really matter, you know? <laughs> it's it's the kind of game I don't really care to to beat anytime soon, because I'd I'd be afraid of not being compelled to come back and beat it uh, beat it over and over again. Even though I'm pretty sure I would, because there's way too much stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, not to give anything away, but my understanding is that there is content for those who have beaten the game, and indeed there is considerable amounts of content for yeah. those who have beaten the game. I haven't even had a uh, 
being able to gift Hades yet. You know, I think that's something you probably can only do after you beat the game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that means I'm going to have to stick around because Hades is a fucking legend. <laughs> I want to lo- I want him to love me. That's well, that, 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 that's just it. They've hit you. They've got you. They've that's got, the right. Yeah. That's that. That's that super giant writing. It's like, fuck you, dad. I'm going to go out there. So like, and I'm going to show you and then you die. And then you emerge from the pool and he's right there. And, he, and it's like, <laughs> Before he even opens his mouth, you're like, "Shut up!" Shut up! <laughs> exactly, exactly. To anybody who hasn't, um, who's been on the fence about Hades, that doesn't have brainworms preventing them from jumping in at the right time. Uh, by all means, I think now's the time. Wonderful game. Well, I mean, I, I've played all of them. I can jump in anytime I want. That's true. You're, oh, I guess you're just saving it for sweet Christmas uh, present. I hear you. Yeah. Oh, whoop. I didn't say hey, the, your word's not mine. I didn't yeah, say anything. I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> now for the most action packed news week of them all. Of course. It's news time, so. <clears throat> Allons enfants de la prêtrie, le jolie news il arrive. Nice, nice, very cultured. Mm-hmm. Keeping it topical. How about you, Lee? Because I have one news story. <laughs> I have two. Okay, pretty, pretty slim pickings this week. Mm, yes. We'll start with the, the bad news, I suppose, and then we'll go on to the annoying news. All right, okay. My bad news is that level five has halted its North American operations. Level 5 being the purveyors of Nino Kuni, mm. Yokai Watch, and most pertinent to me, Professor Layton. Yeah, oh. Now, uh, I don't know what the deal is as far as Europe is concerned. I think that Europe remains unaffected by this, which means that I'm happy because I've neatly avoided the backlash from this, so whatever, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's North America's problem, not yeah, mine. so long. I still get my English professor Layton, so I'm happy. And uh, I suppose for the diehards in North America, they can just import a copy. Because uh, DS games are not region locked. But uh, if you are a fan of these games and you live in North America, then <laughs> I guess you're in trouble. Uh, what's, the, what's the reason that they're just they're not making the, the, the COVID? Sorry. Uh, mole people invasion? No. There's got to be a we new one. We used that one. Yeah, uh, the great uh, earthworming. <sighs> I'll take it. The great the the uprising of the earthworms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did that have anything to do with it? They're finally sick and tired. No, it's uh, my understanding is is that the return on <laughs> investment for North America operations at this time in the current economic climate is not worth it. So they're 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 shuttering operations. They'll probably come back, you know, once the the current earthworm crisis has been dealt with. Once the genetically engineered bird warriors are finished, <laughs> that's good work. <laughs> once they're done and uh, we can reclaim the earth, I'm sure they'll come back to North America. But for the time being, they're uh, they're gonzos. Yeah, that's that's a shame. I was really worried about this. I was like, I need my English professor Layton, but then I was like, oh no. You know, as much as North America seems to forget this, it is not the entirety of the English-speaking world, so hey, I get to stay mm. right where I am. <laughs> what is your news? Yes, interesting. Um, what is your new? Yeah, new. Uh-huh. 
Uh, my news is that uh, Sony crinkles the tinfoil hats across the globe by inaccurately explaining whether the PS5 would be listening to you while talking online. Oh, this thing again. <laughs> Do you remember last year, last time when it was uh, the Xbox One and the the Kinect? I you know you know I didn't realize that there was a a big deal around that either because obvious it was so obviously not the case that people were making it out to be but apparently this is a sensitive issue you cannot forget that the connect thing from the xbox one i'm fairly certain that announcement came like a week after edward snowden made his prism whistleblowing leaks yeah mm-hmm. so when they said hey us microsoft are going to have a camera and a microphone attached to this console that's going to be obligatory. This <laughs> yeah. console that is online at all times in order for <laughs> you to do things. I think people were understandably a bit miffed considering the climate at the time. I think that they weren't entirely unjustified in being unhappy about yeah, that. Yeah, no, I... Sorry, I should say that nobody's really unjustified in this, but is it... You know, you still gotta read the print. <laughs> I haven't uh, actually heard this story the the PS5 one, so you'll have to fill me in. Right. Let me be the audience surrogate once more. Okay, so Sony badly explained this, by the way. Sony this week announced that the PlayStation 5 would, in the headline version, it was record voice chats. In the actual articles, it was have a feature by which if you're in a voice chat, with your own friends and or strangers, and somebody says something that's against the, the rules, uh, you know, whatever, the rules of conduct, you could report them to Sony, which would make a, an audio recording of what your your whole party had been saying, in which you can make your case. So there was a feature to have basically a backup recording at, the, at a button's press in each party on the playstation 5 a feature oh, that is no. that uh that 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 i f- suspect that people's fears are justified regarding that because in order for them to do that they have to be recording at all times in order for that feature to work i yeah okay i understand that but it's not there's a difference between it being recorded as temporary data and then recorded and then fucking fucked off the moment nobody reports at the end of the conversation right that has to be a, temporary it's a data yeah, it's a what button. T- it's a button press with which to send the data. Otherwise, it stays localized to your fucking PlayStation, as far as I'm aware. Well, well that's just it. It's as far as you're aware. The, see, the the matter, the the us crazy <laughs> data security people get all up in a tizzy about these things because you can never really trust the companies. It's like, okay, so well, what's Microsoft gonna do with this data? Well, I don't know, nothing. They might use it for marketing purposes. You know, the GDPR uh, scuppers a lot of the potential misuse they could use with it for. But, you know, if, say, a government asks them to hand over that sort of information, there's not much they can do about it. They just have to do it. <laughs> I'm sorry to be the stick in the mud in this issue here. I don't think but... that's what they're getting at. Let me read the fucking thing. Now that you're, now I'm being pressed to a point where I actually have to quote it. Now your back's to the wall. Nah, I, I don't give a shit. It's not on my back. I'm not on the PS5. <laughs> Nor am I defending it. But I think the feature does make some sense when explained in the context that there's a button with which to report people giving you a shit time online. You know, I feel like most things have that anyway. <laughs> you know, so and and Xbox has had it for a while too. Most PC platforms probably have a feature just like it. 
Uh, but let me see. So, if a user encounters harassment or anything they feel violates Sony's rules around player behavior, they can submit up to a 40-second clip for Sony's moderation team to review. That will include 20 sections... 20 seconds of the potentially offending behavior as selected by the user with 10 seconds before and 10 seconds after the selected segment for added context. The reports can be mm. submitted digitally through the PS5 and will be sent to the customer experience team for moderation who will then listen to the recording and take action if needed. Some submitted reports won't be valid and our team will take this in as an opportunity to provide guidance and education. It doesn't say anything about being stored on some sort of server anywhere your chat you have to press a button just like the share button on the playstation controller it's always mm-hmm. recording something but it doesn't actually make a file unless you hit the button yeah this also runs into uh well setting aside you know the privacy issues there's also the you are by reporting someone effectively retroactively recording them without their consent well which that's is also an that's issue. the big thing everybody yeah. has to agree to the new to the new rules if you're going to be on ps5 chat that's you're you're signing away your right to not be tattled on essentially mm-hmm. that's why people well, are kicking uh, off i don't want to be touted on yeah well i mean you know whilst i have no intention of dropping n bombs on people in ps chat i still wouldn't feel entirely comfortable agreeing to something like that fine because it, cause it's like <laughs> well i mean you know it's like hey are you consenting to be rec- potentially recorded without your explicit consent at any given time whilst using the service i'll be like i'll pass on that i think i'll stick to discord if possible seems fair i agree in general i mean it's not something i'm going to be interested in using not something that will ever Mm -hmm. really apply to me but again a lot of kids use this thing a lot of people will say shit things to kids a lot of kids say shit Mm -hmm. things i see Mm -hmm. i see the rationale behind it and i'm sure the pros outweigh the cons in whatever theory potential of this being used in marketing you know does the uh does the person who reported it get to keep the recording i don't know because uh whilst i it would no doubt result in a great deal of very amusing tweets <laughs> uh i suspect that that probably won't be allowed to for privacy issues that'll be kept uh locked on that P- playstation yeah i'm sure given the mic if if they're wise they won't let you save it from the playstation i mean people save voice chats all the time without people's permission in any other medium but i'm uh, sure but that's not officially supported by but the platform it's not officially owner. supported by the platform so yes i agree that they really shouldn't give you that option uh like there's no there's no benefit from letting the 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 reportee keep that audio like once it's submitted to the to the people who can actually make actions on the platform that's relevant you know, that's that's where the really the conversation ends. Everything else is just giving them the potential to start, you know, re-harassing or something. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. seems like a bad, bad move, but uh, no confirmation on that anyway. So, you know, I would imagine they would have the sense not to let them do that. But then who knows? Sony makes stupid decisions all the time. I don't think this is strictly one of them, but I do understand. I understand where people are coming from. I just also think... It's a massive overreaction to what is a an accessibility feature that actually more often than not will be used to protect people. <laughs> All right. Well, what else you got? I have my new story, which is the annoying one, which <laughs> sees into a bad one. So I guess, uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> it's another downer effect of man week. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, for those of you wondering at home, no, I have not seen the Monster Hunter movie trailer. Oh, yeah. Uh, I. 
I would like to remain in this state of being for as long as is feasible. <laughs> but I know that at some point, footage from this thing is going to be pressed under my nose at some point. I don't like this director at all. Mm -hmm. I My patience with him is worn very thin. He makes schlock, which is fine. But it's a uh, it's bad schlock now. Uh, bad for a long time. Also, I can't I can't even. It's it was it Paul W S Anderson. That's right. I've mentioned before about how I disliked him because I find I wasn't sure whether or not his his insistence on inserting his wife in his, into his movies as some kind of Mary Sue character was annoyingly nepotistic or charming. Mm -hmm. uh, I have settled on annoyingly nepotistic <laughs> because my goodwill for him has shriveled up. Did you know that in like one of the Resident Evil movies, like he changed a stunt without telling the stunt person, and that stunt person ended up losing an arm, as well as suffering, and uh, I'm quoting the source directly here, a facial degloving. Oh, fuck. I read about the arm this week, in fact, as well. I totally forgot to add it into news, just because I did see the trailer. I'm, uh, when, I, I'm, when I say I seen the trailer, I watched it muted. I don't know why mm -hmm. I made that decision. <laughs> It was in social media at some point. And he, uh, apparently, apparently he has conspired to avoid paying the settlement to the stunt person in, in question by working a little Ugh. legal magic. So, goodwill for this yeah. person has dried up completely, oh, so... The, the, the yucks and the lulls have all dried out now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just shaking my head and going, nah, no good, no good, no bueno. So, I, I haven't seen the trailer. Uh, I my patience has run out on this person. I will say, even so, the fact that they have taken Monster Hunter, the premise of which is essentially knights in medieval armor fighting dinosaurs, and give it a modern military yeah. American give, make it make it pastiche. make it aliens make it less interesting. <laughs> is it aliens? It's, is it aliens? It's always aliens. Yes, it's aliens. Yeah, by the looks of it, it looks like there are a bunch of marines who get teleported to a different world and then i guess some of them they don't have their guns maybe and so they have to use the weapons of the the surrounding cultures to fight the monsters uh, it's like an isekai it's like creative link bike erupted every single way imaginable <laughs> it, it, it looked bad enough to not turn on the sound so i don't have a lot of information on this did you know that um, Resident Evil is getting a live-action movie, but it's not being made by this guy, it's being made different? What? No, I didn't. I heard that just as a rumor. In fact, I'm going to look it up right now, fact-checking live. Resident Evil reboot. Kaya Scudillero, Robbie Amell, Hannah John Kamen, and more to star yes, in origin story adaptation. Yes, it's being directed by a guy who made like a, a shark movie. 47 feet under or something oh yeah that, that does ring a bell johannes uh, roberts and it, it's a it's a telling of the risen evil one story where you know they're in the mansion and there are zombies and monsters eating my fight you know attacking our place 40, 47 meters down oh yes <laughs> well i'm uh I, I i'm going to ignore this monster hunter thing and simply say that i am cautiously optimistic for the resident evil movie reboot, <laughs> reboot. yeah why i not? hope it is stupid i hope i hope it is stupid in all the right ways yeah i hope it's stupid in the same way that all the cg resident evil movies are i should watch those i uh, i saw a clip from one of the most recent cgi movies and it's like a chris and some other guy having like a gun battle and they're trying to do like a sort of john wick equilibrium gun cat of thing okay and and it is the stupidest, most ridiculous thing in the world. Why would that be like, a Resident uh, Evil? 
There's no, there's, fact, no you know there's no genre to which Resident Evil cannot slip into for a minute and then slip right the fuck back out. <laughs> in fact, uh, shout out to all our listeners. I'm going to link a purely visual video clip to Lee in just a moment for him to watch and react to. And you just have to sit there and you have to imagine. <laughs> well, this is probably going to make the, the, the jump. So tune in in 20 seconds to hear... Four minutes of me laughing <laughs> to footage. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I find it. It's from Resident Evil Vendetta. And it's the, well, I don't know if it's the final encounter. I've simply got the YouTube video here saying, best gunfight scene, <laughs> all lowercase. Excellent. You know it's good when it's the best. According to Mr. Martial Arts on YouTube. Reflexes shown and moves what? are over the top. <laughs> oh my god, this is dumb. <laughs> They're just like shooting around each other. <laughs> Trigger discipline. You see them running in a circle? Yeah, that's incredible. Alright, so now it's kind of got a wrestling vibe. Uh-huh. Mocap for this must have been pretty fun. Oh, that's true. This is so fucking stupid. Why can't one of these men land a single shot? No trigger discipline whatsoever. <laughs> Even the knife just, doesn't make a tent. <laughs> just firing wildly. <laughs> I love the Chris Redfield's noodle arm as he avoids the knife. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is Resident Evil uh, 8. Sorry, no, uh, 7, Chris, I think. Oh, really? Or or 6? I'm not sure. He looks like Resident Evil 6, Chris. I have no idea who his villain is. No, it's Andy the villain Dick. of the week. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I should watch these movies. Yeah, I mean, Forget the live action good. ones. This is where the real fun is. <laughs> this is like just get these on DVDs and like an omnibus and just have an afternoon. This is what I imagine they're gonna eventually going to make the live action Metal Gear Solid feel like. I can <sighs> hopefully dumb in the right ways because they're both dumb, but they're dumb in distinctly unique yeah, ways. Yeah, but people don't ever translate that well. Man, they're, are they finally going to break this glass? They've been, they've been tempting us. <laughs> uh, the old, the final punch with a scream means it's more powerful. <laughs> Alright, that was beautiful. Is Chris going to make it out of this one? I'm see I'm tantalized now. I want to watch yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> Thumbs up, Resident Evil Vendetta.